pound per 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 pound per per pound. Six ninety nine per pound. Pound. Hey, yo, it's 6 per pound. Podcast. Yo, are we live right now? Are we back yep, yep. in the world of Twitch? Are people tuning in at the very at the very moment? At this very we got ten, 10 viewers. 10 viewers? Is that including me and you, Michael? Michael can't I have, uh, um, One of them might be me. No, we got one JK, of them JK, might be Dang. JK JK Dang is back at it again. Yeah. JK JK Dang. My pot stickers. Easy. Mac Easy is back again. Much love to Mac Easy. Always showing up. Ten Sun Hoon. I don't I don't know how to pronounce that. Ten Sai Hoon. But yeah, we got peace. Ten Sai Hoon. Alright, Ten Sai Hoon. Alright, alright, no doubt. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of 699 per pound podcast. You know what I mean? It's live and direct. I know I used to say that all the time, but it's really live and direct. Today I'm with Michael, and um, JoJo is not here today. Um, not because we excommunicated her, but uh, you know she decided to pack her bags and leave New York because she just does not have a brave heart like JK does. Nah, but um, nah, she's from California. You're from New York. So. You from New York? Yeah. I'm trying to say she's from chill. California, so. She decided to uh, pack her bags and um, she she uh, she left. You know what I mean? So, but you know she's getting like settled back in. She's enjoying the Californian weather, I'm sure, and um, wants to stay closer to family and look for new opportunities and all that. So, we wish nothing but happiness and joy for her new adventures in California. So, big ups to JoJo. You know, we might see her back in the mix in the near future, but you know, for, in the meantime, it's just gonna be uh, your boy J Key. And uh, Michael Ken Stewart holding it down, you know what I mean? Holding it down for y'all. So uh, for all the new listeners, $6.99 per pound pays homage to hot food delis in New York City where they serve a wide variety of dishes. So our goal is to always serve you hot takes on career, culture, community from a very diverse perspective, a set of perspectives, you know what I mean? So shout out to everybody that is tuning in. Elevate your minds. You know what I mean? We got to move. We got to migrate. So, uh, yeah, Michael, tell, tell them what we got to do today. Word, word, word. So, yeah, as always, drop your reactions and questions in chat. Subscribe to our Twitch channel. Remember, you get a free one if you got Amazon Prime, Jeff Bezos money. Uh, just give that to us. We'll be happy to take it. Um, if you want to clip a 30-second video to show, you know, some part you really liked, uh, we need that user data or some research. There's a clapperboard in the bottom right corner. Um, you just hit that and it'll ta- make a little clip. So um, think about that while you listen to us talk. But yeah, that's uh, what how we want y'all to be interacting with Twitch. But um, Jakey, I was wondering, because you just said about New York, you see the Jerry, Fe- Jerry Seinfeld thing that happened? earlier today yeah so yeah i read i I read this quick article um is jerry seinfeld was uh wrote an op-ed on the new york new york times um apparently some comedians are saying like yo new york is dead this shit is a wrap we gotta get out of here we gotta we gotta move we gotta migrate and um jerry seinfeld just basically said nah like fuck y'all new york is never gonna die i'm gonna stay here regardless and you losers, y'all could do your little comedies in Florida, but I must stay in New York. 
So that's what essentially what Seinfeld said. And um, okay, I mean, I feel like, you know, me as a native New Yorker, it's a little bit of a bias. Like I can never see myself uh, permanently leaving because this is home for me. But I mean, for someone like you, I mean, Jojo obviously decided to move back to California. But for someone like you, Michael, like, how do you feel about this? You know, you've been in New York for now, what, like? Four or five years? Five years? Four or five years? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I have my days where I want to go home. I've thought about it a lot. I've been juggling it, actually. But, you know, I think the idea that New York will die or is dead is is crazy to me. I mean, that's... I feel like maybe if you're, like, in Manhattan, you're like, oh, Fifth Ave looks a little whatever. It's like, well, you still got Queens. You still got Brooklyn. Staten Island for everyone. Also, the Bronx. Like, those places... Harlem, those places will never die. Like those people, people there will always be thrive or resilient, you know? So I think, you know, I, maybe those comedy people or transplants kind of. For sure. I mean, you know, if anything, people are dying. Uh, people getting well, shot up eat. summertime, right. you know what I mean? In the yeah, Bronx, yeah, yeah, yeah. Queens and Brooklyn right. um, mm-hmm. and Harlem. But, uh, you know, I, I think, I think what you said, resilience is, is a very good term because, you know, I was here when, the blackout happened, when 9-11 happened, when Sandy happened, when the financial crisis happened, you know, I mean, now, like, I'm going through uh, COVID, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I feel like it always has this charm, and um, hopefully New York is going to continuously thrive as one of the greatest cities in the world, but, uh, continue but speaking of uh, that, but speaking of, um, um, you know, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about California, man. Um, what is it? Uh, San Gino just said, "Yo, too much smoke in the Bay Area right now." Oh yeah, that's that's for real. Cal Cali fires. Let's talk a little bit mm-hmm. about Cali fires before we talk about Jacob Blake. You know, so mm-hmm. tell us about that. What's yeah, going yeah, yeah. on in Cali right now, Michael? Well, I mean, a bunch of some some lightning strikes happen, and you know, it's California. It's the dry season. Um, I don't know, JK, JK, Dan, if you're in Cali, because you said the the weather is nasty. But yeah, it started off some um, big fires, um, specifically, like there's some in three clusters in Northern California, um, and 100,000 people have evacuation orders now. Um, And and apparently it was weird because some commentator, let me know in the chat if this is an actual thing, but um, one of the local... Uh, commentators was like, usually there's not a lot of lightning in Northern California, but it's like a, it, it was like a weird to see it. Um, so it started these giant fires and the four, the hills are ablaze. First time, first time lightning. Okay. That's verified now. Okay. San Gino. Um, so yeah, there's giant fires going on. And you, if you see some, I've seen some uh, IG stories from people in that area, they're just driving through smoke and the, in the, like, the, the daytime is just a gray fog and like some of the videos of just like driving through it is insane i mean i don't know if you've seen fire like that jakey i don't mean, oh, know man fire like that. i don't know it just sounds like some mount sinai you know what i mean like some biblical know. shit you know yeah. what i mean yo it's like a lot of biblical situations happening this year man the plague you know fire mountains getting burnt up you know, there's what I mean? also there's two there's two uh, storms passing through the Caribbean right now at the same time. You see those maps of that too? Do you see that? There's like nah, some tropical but storms. There always like storms like happening in that area anyway. Though, well, yeah, it's like hurricane. It's getting to hurricane season, but there's two at the same time. This is some, like biblical stuff at the same like, damn time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. But yo, I mean, let's kind of take it back to the essence of like 
Well, actually, let's you know. Well, since we're in the topic of Cali fires, like, how does this affect like, you know, the people that are involved with the fire? Like, because you know, one of the uh, articles that you referenced was that there's apparently a lot of uh, prison inmates that work yeah. as firefighters that right. have always been at the uh, uh, at the front lines of, uh, you know, getting rid of fire whenever like mm-hmm. the California yeah. dry season kicks in. You know, what what do we need to know about this? Well, I found this interesting to start off is that the system of inmate firefighters was actually born during World War II when a lot of the people went and fought. So this is like a thing that's been around for a while. But the thing about this is if you look at how much they're paid, I just want to start with that. These people, they're in they're in prisons. They get recruited to do this in, in a way that's like, oh, this is a way to like, you know, those prison programs are like, this will improve your character. This will give you some skills for the real world out there. Right, um, they right, get paid. Right. You know, I, I sometimes see like correctional officers with like inmates in New York City at parks sometimes. Right, I'm like, this is right. weird. Um, and these people get paid, I think it was like 2 to $5 maybe, or someone even said $1 per hour to Holy fight these shit. fires. Right? That's... <laughs> Yeah. So just Damn, let's just son, stop. This shit is like modern day slavery right there. Yeah. I mean, that's Amendment. essentially what that's essentially what the prison industrial complex is, right? But I had mm-hmm. no idea that they actually had people find fires though. That sounds Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty intense, you know? And it's and it's like one of those things it's like super super dangerous, right? Cuz uh, and the winds sometimes kick up in there, so it'll move a fire really quick. People obviously died. Of and, course. Um, and our producer, Winton, um, said that these firefighters, after they go through the training, right, you know, this like you get out, like you've you fought fires. You're like, I'm I'm a new person. I'm like, see something differently. Maybe I want to be a firefighter. Apparently, in the state of California, if you're a felon, you can't join the firefighting ranks. Oh, so, shit. so you like, can't even you, you fight fires. Yeah, you basically you risk your life. You know, what I mean, you're like repping a set in prison. And then you go risk your life to fight these fires. Mm-hmm. But after you get back into the society, you can't even uh, get right. a job in that in that world. Yeah. And then, I don't know, maybe some of these guys like are in jail for, you know, maybe someone, they like, they are in there for like really big crimes. But some of them like, mem- like if we think about like possession and minimum, like, um, what is it? Right, right, right. The minimums and everything in there. Like these people, yeah, some yeah, people yeah. just get tossed in there and it's just like, all right, now I got to right. do this thing. Or else, or else what? Like, you know, do I sit inside a jail? And let's talk about, because it's COVID, right? Like these people, there's actually less people that they can use as inmates to fight these fires. So you got these giant fires and there's less firemen this year because uh, a lot of people in jails actually got COVID and are sick or died, right? In big numbers. And they don't want people infecting other people. Um, so there's also that issue too, um, in terms of like, when we talk about areas hit really hard by COVID, like jails, mm. oh boy. You know, when, there's a lot of people that, talk, I mean, there's a lot of articles written about it. I don't know how much people want to actually talk about the situation within prisons in America and COVID, but it is not good. I'll tell you what. Yeah. That does not sound fun at all, man. I mean, Speaking of injustices, you know, like there was another incident that happened yesterday mm-hmm. uh, where another unarmed black man, this time right. in front of his kids, literally yeah. in front of three of his boys. Yo, I, I saw the video and it was like 
it was kind of ridiculous, man. Like my man was walking towards the car. Like my man, mm-hmm. this this police officer literally grabbed his tank top and pulled yeah. him and shot mm-hmm. him in like <laughs> like point mm-hmm. blank range. You know what I mean? Like I was like, right. what the fuck yeah. is the point of this? Like, yo, you could have like. Right. I mean, yo, like, I know we talk about I can't breathe. Yo, you could have really just, I mean, if you wanted to, you could have just fucking chokehold him or something, you know, put him on the ground. You know what I'm saying? Like, wow. Why did you have to let that shit go off, like, at point blank range? Like, did they eventually find, like, a weapon in his car or something? You know what I mean? But even no. if that's the case, it was, like, a whole squadron, you know, just ambushing this dude. So I don't yeah. understand. Like, I don't understand how these guys... Just another case. Trigger, just, just let the triggers go off like that, man. I mean, yo. But the thing is, it, I, I find ridiculous is they like show up with their guns drawn already. So that means, in, when I look at that, it's like the train, the training that happens, right? And the, 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 uh, the mindset of these police officers going in. They're, they're already, they're, they're seeing, they're seeing things. You want to see what you want to, you want to see. But if you told. If you're told that these people have guns and you should expect guns, that's what you expect. And also the fact that like, this was an argument. He was like, this guy was like trying to stop an argument between like a couple women. Mm. Um, when we when we think about like when people say like, oh, we should get rid of the police, right? We think about like it's it was a it was an argument. Whatever the argument was for, like, do you really need to call a police officer for that? Like, there are like trained people that de-escalate. De- de-escalate yeah. situations like that um and clearly like if i don't know like when we talk about like a cop like even if we talk about cops it's like if you as a cop can't de-escalate situations and know like how to use a handgun and like all those things like even in the military they like tell you to like this last resort is to use a gun right like if you can't even do that like that's in the job description in my opinion and yeah, I mean, you could argue that like like it's a high situation stress situation, but that's just the job. Like, you know, like firefighters knows that they have to run in burning buildings. Like, right. Like this is a, like, so for like all this yeah. to go on and this, this like continuously and the way that, I mean, the video, like I reluctantly watched it, but it's just like, this is like, you, why does this keep happening? And, you know, the mayor came out with another statement and all that. There's already a curfew put on, the city, um, it's just like playing out over again. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, totally. I mean, we we know we know like some of the uh, uh, the impacts that are taking place in that city right now as a result of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, do you do you have any sort of like thoughts about what could be a potential way for these type of things to be held accountable? Um, I personally think the police system in the U.S. should be nationalized. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it should have a central system that kind of controls and um, standardize everywhere. Of course, yeah, they could, they could argue like you yeah, sound like a RoboCop, some RoboCop nah, shit. Nah, not even man. Like I mean, you know, like South Korea and even Japan, I believe, like the police system has a centralized system. You know, so there's Bro. like the prosecutor's office, and then there's like the police office. Now, well, if we want to talk about, there's a lot of conflict between the prosecutor's office and the police. Because, mm-hmm. you know, usually like the prosecutor's office are the ones that is uh, allowing the police to get the documentations or the warrants, you know what I mean? So there's a conflict in that. But right. I think in terms of like setting a standard where everybody is going to be held accountable, 
uh, right now because in, in, in the U.S., like every city and every district and every county has like a different police system. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, somebody I mean, said, you know, just said, yo, the U.S. is huge, though, compared to Japan and Korea. I'm, I'm going to say it is, though. China has a centralized police system as well. And China has 1.4 billion people, B. You know what I mean? That's like four yeah, times. But- that's some like I don't know if anyone wants state control like that, but I mean, in the sense, when I think about like what would make move these cops to actually think about something is like, all right, like what does it mean to get all right? Like, what do we just we should fire the cops? We should. I think that we should have a conversation about the police unions and the pensions, um, and that gets like tricky in terms of like, yes, I went to a labor school and I think that unions are important but at like what way do should unions exist in this country um when you look at like a cop union who's has a lot of political strength within like any city there's actually like an international police union um i was looking and there is one so it's like when you said centralized i was like well it is like i feel like there is an international cop union but it kind of it goes to you know just I think I, I think oh, like so so for instance like if you say I mean I know some of the some of the folks uh I was some of the folks in the chat is saying like yo is China really a good example though right China might not be the best example because the going on system in China is directly uh essentially uh, a force that the CCP the Chinese Communist Party imposes on its people to control the population yes that is correct but in the case of South Korea or Japan um, there are, you know, multi-party is a, is a multi-party system. So there is a level of checks and balances. Now, China does not have a checks and balances. Therefore, it's a one single party system. So, yeah, it might not be the best example. But in a, in a place like as complex as the U.S., where there's race, where there's uh, regional differences, where there's like cultural differences. I think a centralized system actually makes the most sense, you know, where. You know, you do have local government also participating in federal level as well to kind of determine, okay, like this is what could be done and what shouldn't be done. And if somebody does fuck up on some level, they get uh, they get prosecuted. Isn't there what is the what is the highest cop in the U.S.? Uh, The there's a name for it in the federal government. What what is that? Um. I don't know, man. I'm not a poli sci major over here, so I don't There's, even know. Maybe there, is like, there, right now. there is like a cop that can like investigate, right? Other police, police, precincts, not precincts, but police forces in the country. Like, I think that has happened before and they've, they've looked into a lot. Obviously they're like, oh, like this, this cop force in Baltimore is racist. And it's like, okay, like, and then what? Um, it's like the UN being like, this is a bad country. Um, it well, really it's the it's right? it's it's. Oh, how... we have the voice of Winton coming in. <laughs> voice of God is here to put us straight because I don't know what I'm talking about. Is here. Uh, isn't that what the Department of Justice does? That's what I was. Yeah, oh, they're part of the show. Even in like the court cases, right? Like if the shit gets repealed and overturned over and over and again, if you have enough legal money to push it through, eventually it goes up to the Supreme Court, right? Um, so yeah, there is like the highest law highest court in the country and the land and all that but i don't think there's like a single system that allows um that kind of standardizes 
police behavior, you know? I just feel like there should be some level of like uh, responsibility that should be like taken. A, like a national guideline in terms of. Yes. I mean, like, you know, these are, these are the things that are okay. These are things that are not okay. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, obviously, regionally, there might be different laws, different codes and ethics, uh, but there should be a standardized guideline and um, a standardized rule that everybody abides by. You know yeah, I mean? but like, yeah, the New York, I mean, the New York police union was like against like banning chokeholds and doing certain things because they're like, right. And the funny thing was like, oh, like when they slowed down, they did a slowdown on purpose because they didn't like de Blasio. Crime went down during the slowdown, which is like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, you could say like because they weren't out there like finding crime, but then you can also say like police, the heavy police presence within black and brown in Asian neighborhoods, like they, you find crime, right? Because you, you go out, you go out and you, you find you're, there's more people out to catch people, right? Cause like white, white people commit the same amount of crimes as black people. It's statistically, like, if you think about like kids smoking pot, but like where I grew up, it's like, you're protected in the suburbs and you're, you no one's out here checking you. So, I mean, this, that might be beside the point, but I'm just saying that the, the level of policing is different within these communities too. And, you know, racial bias and all those things. So that's, you know, again, yeah, it it probably is. And that's why I feel like there needs to be some sort of a central overhaul that needs to, that needs to take place. Mm -hmm. Um, There's actually a fascinating NPR um, planet money episode that came out a couple of years ago. They were talking about how in, the, the how it how like insurance companies were dictating what police forces do in California because there were so many misconduct um, complaints and court cases that the the um, police because the police have to take out insurance for themselves but then the the insurance underwriters were like yo you can't have any more complaints or else we're gonna like drop you from your, your insurance so then they had to like reform the whole police police precinct in like california because of that that was like i thought it was an interesting thing um if you look at like the underbelly no that makes that makes perfect sense because we we live in a type of country that we live in where um healthcare system is also essentially ran by insurance companies you know like for instance Mm -hmm. for me like i had this one little issue with my chest and then i got the doctor checked up and then i was like i was good and i didn't really have to go back for a checkup yo, this doctor kept hitting me up like every two weeks telling me to come back for a checkup. And yeah. it was obvious like, yo, my man's trying to like rack up on the insurance dollars. Now, mind you, I don't fault the homies for trying to pay his bills and shit. But um, yeah, man, I mean, I feel like, you know, all those dollars that needs to be, uh, that are being used for these insurance companies to fuel the system. I mean, essentially the same thing with the prison industrial complex, complex right. to go to the point, right? Because you mm-hmm. need these type of inmates in order for these prisons to operate to make more money for people that right. own and operate these things. And, you know, if they're publicly traded companies, and even if Jay Key, who is anti-prison, anti, you know, uh, overpopulation in prison, if I have like a 10,000 share or 20,000 share on this prison industrial complex company that has IPO'd, who knows? You know what I mean? I might think a little bit differently. I'll be like, damn. Yeah, might, but that's that's why you know what I'm saying. So I know well, that's, yeah. that's kind of essentially the fault where some of the loopholes were, uh, the 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 
you know. Well, I mean, there's the Ava DuVernay made that whole uh, yeah. doc about thirteenth. Yeah, because thirteenth yeah. was. If you actually read the amendment, it's they you're free unless you're convicted of a felony. That's where like the chain oh. gangs and stuff, you know. So yeah. we don't take it back all the way there. But I'm just, you know, at the end of the day, it's like pray for uh, Jacob, like pray for his family, like pray for like he, like that is that shit is traumatic. Like you, I can't like thinking of the kids. It's just so like you. How do you, how do you come back from seeing something like that? You know. Like I, I, I get sad because when I think about it, it's like black people get like they you know, it's like they wanna be joyous, they wanna live life, they wanna dream, they wanna do these things, right? But then it's just like boom. Like now I gotta deal with this shit today. Like and then I gotta sh- deal with this person this thing that happened yesterday and then it's just like constantly. Like how do you I'll live like it, you know? Like the American black strife is definitely something that is hard to fathom many cases. I mean, even some of my black friends, and again, I don't want this shit to be sounding like another one of those like sympathizing with black folks type of, you know, song cry type of shit. But yo, like some of the stories that they tell me and, you know, it's the, the, the brightest kids that I know, these black kids, what they go through, I think about, wow, like. Yeah, that's some very traumatic shit that they had to ha- go through. You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, yeah, man. So I definitely feel for the kids. I feel for Jacob. Hopefully, he stays alive. Uh, yeah. He, you know, he comes back uh, out of this situation safe and strong. So, you know, much love to him. Much love to the family members, as you said, Michael. But uh, let's talk a little bit about. I mean, we could keep talking about America's injustices, but I guess this topic is a little bit of a minor victory if you will you know Mm. the flint michigan situation so the government has officially granted 600 million dollars for the residents of flint for being uh, affected for an entire year plus of drinking or getting exposed to contaminated water is that is that what happened yeah i mean the settlement was finally reached but you know if for everyone that just a reminder on the flint michigan crisis it's like they switched the pipes out, um, and the enti- all the water would just turn brown. Like you couldn't even like if you look, if you watched videos of it, it was like how could you? Yeah, you saw the video. It? Like you could actually lit the lit the water on yeah, fire because it has like propane but and gas. I want to say it's just not Flint. Like there's other cities in America that go through this as well, but like Flint was a big thing. You got celebrities like sending cases of water bottles and stuff, and I was just like, why don't you just fix the damn pipes? Like for like, and this apparently it's like um, they sued and they had to negotiate for like 18 months with lawyers to finally like get this settlement done. And, you know, when you think about $600 million, it's also like, there's also a hundred thousand people in Flint. So I don't, I can't do the math really quick, but that ain't a lot of money per person. Right. Like if you actually think about the large scheme of things, that's true. That's true. But and you and the and the residents have to file will have to file their own claims, right? So it's like how many people are going to actually get the money? That this is the thing I'm always curious about because it's like okay, like this settlement came in, but like how are how is it going to get paid out? When are they going to get the money? So it's good, like yeah, like yes, people in Flint got should get their money, but just as the whole situation was just like That's it is a minor victory. It's definitely getting scammed, though, man. I know somebody smart 
somebody with the right lawyers, somebody with the right paperwork is going to go in there and then get like a chunk of that without people even knowing, you know? It's See? really about, yo, I'm, I'm dead ass, you know? That's kind of what happens whenever there's like these big funds that get, you know, remember when uh, Trump put up the uh, the whole shit with the wall? It's like which company gets claimed as well? And then they right, found like right, right, one right. small company that was a startup that was like manufacturing lights. And it's like yeah. a two-man company. And they was able yeah. to get like a big chunk of that contract. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. Shit like this happens all the time, man. You know what I mean? Got so contracts. hopefully like people in Flint get their right, you know, gets gets the money compensated in the rightful manner. Uh, yeah. Yo, it is a disgrace though, man, for, for like the world's wealthiest nation to have a city like Flint mm-hmm. in Michigan getting directly affected because of a very basic human right, which is clean water. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's pretty ridiculous. Um, but <sighs> I think, you know, like you, to your point, like, why, why can't they just fix the pipes? I mean, yo, infrastructure be like, okay, who's going to like torn this shit out? And then well, once you torn this shit out, like who's going to go in there? And like, who, how, how are you going to relocate these people? Where are they going to stay for a month? You know, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, those out. are questions, but then they also stood there and didn't do anything about it. So it's like, well, like we talk about, like, what do we value in this country? It's like, do we want to spend time and make sure our people get, you know, like good drinking water? Like, I remember when the um, in the infrastructure grades come out every like once in a while, right? By like the the international architects of the world or whatever. There's some organization. U.S. got like a D in every category from like piping, like pipes to like freeways, overpasses, like all that stuff. Cause you see like sometimes like overpasses like fall down and like hurt people too. So it's like our national infrastructure is just, is bad. Cause a lot of that money is just kind of getting allocated into a lot of wrong places. You know, the -hmm. money is there. U.S. is sent on a lot of money, you know, but a lot of it is just allocated into the military, Mm -hmm. um, into a lot of things, into a lot of things. I mean, Having a trillion dollars for an election cycle, come on, man! Like, yeah. it's, it's pretty ridiculous. But uh, but speaking of uh, elections, uh, mm-hmm. the first API ad from the Democrats targeting the yeah. Asian American population of U.S. So yeah. is this literally the first TV ad ever in recorded so, history targeting yeah, so Asian Democratic The Democratic con- Congressional Campaign Committee. That committee announces very first Asian. It's an Asian cable television buy, right? It's not. It's like one of those stations, like like my mom watched the Japanese, the right. Japanese yeah, cable. Yeah, we, we it's like Korean one of those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this was specifically for the. It was a Vietnamese um, channel. But you sure this is really, like the first ad though? Like, because I, I don't know if it's like. Like well, local I don't conversations, like Bloomberg having the Korean version of his ad. No, but this no, no. This is the like the the national like Democratic committee being uh, like I'm gonna run like a Joe Biden ad, a Kamala Harris ad on this Vietnamese television network, mm. and they're gonna put four forty five thousand dollars into it for the airtime, targeting specifically Vietnamese Americans in California, which we know is a huge block of people. Um, well, it's a, a big chunk of people, right? So. It, yeah, it just shows the Democrats are now, they're like, okay, like, let's take this Asian vote seriously. So I don't know if, you know, I might want to watch like some Korean TV and see if it, anything pops up. In, like, hey, man, $45,000 for TV ad, that shit is nothing, but, you know, hopefully, hopefully it touches some people, you know. 
we don't we don't know we, you don't know what the the ad package was for the Vietnamese cable television network. Oh, I don't want to say that they don't have a big they don't have a big they don't ask for a lot of money, but um, maybe it seems more like a local. But you know, I I just I saw it this week and I was like, yeah, this is this is interesting. I feel like as Asian America as Asian Americans and Asian American listeners and viewers, it's like okay, like maybe you know, let us know if you see any ads coming your way through whatever like things you watch that might not be mainstream might be more like asian american or just asian in general you know are you are you feel about joe biden though you you gonna vote for joe biden yeah i'm gonna vote for joe biden and kamala 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 i'll vote i'll vote vote. he's a transitional candidate at most but you know yeah you think he's gonna win though we'll see we'll see we'll see i don't know i'm kind of iffy on it but we'll see all right this mail-in right. situation. Well, I mean, let's kind of take it to a take it to a little bit of on a on a lighter note. You know what I mean? Um, well, it's not even light because shit, motherfucker died this shit. Rest in peace to yeah. one yeah. of the greatest Lakers of all time, Kobe Bryant. Um, yeah. rest in peace to him, to Soul, mm-hmm. to his daughter. Uh, right. You know, were you a big uh, Mamba fan when he was um active? Uh, I wasn't the biggest, but my my friend had a giant poster of him on his door. He was he was from Southern California, and I know that like for Asians, like Kobe was like a huge figure in SoCal around the country and in China and like Taiwan and like everything, right? So, you know, like um, I was reading about it, and a lot of kids, a lot of people were talking about how they were able to connect with a lot of people, you know, Asian immigrant coming over, and then like you didn't really know that much about the culture, but you knew Kobe, you knew the Lakers, you could like you know this one one guy was like our core friend group was white kids mexican kids half asian kids but we all re- religiously followed kobe right and that's what that's tied cool. us together I, mean, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that like kobe was kind of like one of the first nba stars that was really marketed in the chinese market you know mm-hmm. like he actually had like uh he would travel out to shanghai and beijing all the time and he would like do these tours right. and camps and all of that so he definitely mm-hmm. had a moment there but also like a lot of the uh, wave of immigrants that were coming in from like the late nineties, we didn't mm-hmm. see like Jordan play. You know what I mean? Right. Like Jordan was yeah. like a legend in our head, but we didn't really watch him. Right. You know, dropping like sixty points for the Chicago Bulls in like ninety seven and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. so our closest basketball, the biggest basketball star during the time that like my age group of Asian right. cats was watching TV was like Kobe. You know what I mean? 2000. I hated Kobe. Kobe Jack. <laughs> you did? I hated Kobe. Why, you a Knicks you know fan? You're like, I hated Kobe because I was a Knicks fan. You know what I'm saying? I okay. fucking hated Kobe. But um, I think another thing about Kobe, like, you know, his mentality of like, yo, winning no matter what, like, you know, that attitude, that shit resonated right. with a lot of like these hardworking, immigrant-minded Asian kids as well. You know what I'm saying? Like right. focus. You know, put yeah. in the work, you know, right. going to this killer mentality. If you don't get an A in school, you're a failure. You know what I mean? Like this type of <laughs> this type of tiger mom mentality really resonated. So I think in that sense, Kobe was also a very um celebrated figure, you know? Right. No, yeah. I definitely think that. And he so, uh, he was like really into like Eastern philosophy, right? I feel like he was yeah, one he of was, those right? dudes that was. So, like, on that yeah, level, he too. He's, he's definitely like, yeah. one of those dudes that, you know, read the Machiavelli as well as the Sun Tzu. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, and definitely try to right. study the, 
study the philosophies of the ancient mind, you know? Yeah. How many yeah, Asian kids know? on the basketball court with the, with the jersey on, just like trying to put up Kobe-like shots growing you know? up? Yeah, I don't totally. know if you were like that ever, but no, actually you hated wow. him. So who did you like, like growing who was who who'd you like then? So I mean like the team that I was rooting for was obviously the Knicks. And then um, you know, the Knicks at the time, uh, when I started watching the heavily was Spreewell, Camby, okay. and uh, uh Allen Houston. And Allen uh, Houston there was like um yeah, man. I mean, that was kind of the era, and it wasn't like a great team. I mean, it was a good team, but it wasn't a great team. But uh, yeah, man, Spreewell was just kind of like a goon, man. Like my man just spent all his money on a yacht. You know what I'm saying? He had like his own spinners. And um, uh, Alan Houston, he was just a sharp shooter that could cover all grounds. So yeah, it was a fun time. But you know, right. it was no way that we was gonna take it to the ship. So mm. wait, but wait, yeah, I wanna ask. I wanna, I wanna ask Winton because she's a big basketball star. Or it's not star. She's a, a fan. basketball star. Winton is I a basketball wish I was a basketball star. Fan. Uh, what? I mean, about Kobe? Yeah. Or did you like I mean, Kobe? Did you follow him? Did you like any yeah. other player? I mean, it's, I think it's like inevitable that if you were in the U.S. like in the '90s, early 2000s, talking talking Kobe, um, and like Kobe's legacy is complicated, and mm. but you can't That's deny, true. yeah, that he works hard. That he took care of his family and and that he was like one of the first real like global superstars i think um mm. in term, in basketball right like steph lebron none of those steven marbury none of them would be able to do the stuff that Stephen they do marbury. you know oh, wow. all yeah, over yeah. the all over the world without um without never, kobe i never heard away. anybody say stephen marbury i thought it was always stephon Stephen marbury Coney Island, kid. You know what I'm saying? You had the but, shoes? Uh, you get the shoes ever? Nah, man. Stephon, no. No, no, the Stephon Marbury shoes. Kobe had the... No, nah, I didn't get the Marbury shoes, man. I didn't get the AIs. I didn't I didn't get any of those basketball endorsed shoes. You know what I mean? I thought about mm. getting the McGrady's one time, but I was like, nah. <laughs> nope. Nah. Word. Yeah, Jor- Jordans are a good place to just, you know, it's a comfortable place to go. Yeah. I, would, I would just get the Nike shocks, you know, Vince Carter, you know. Just keep it, just keep but, it simple. Uh, yeah. Keep, keep it right. simple with the Boeing logo. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So shout out Sonics. Yeah, shout out to the Sonics, Gary Payton, and their whole entire Seattle massive. Uh, even though y'all don't yes, have a team yes. no more, you know. I gotta shout it out. I believe. Too bad for y'all, I but believe, I know. You I believe Seattle's gonna get another team. I feel it they in my might. bones. They will. They, they will. I mean, Amazon. Within, within the next city. 40 years. Nah. <laughs> the next 40 years. Amazon is in that yeah. city. So you already know, like, a tech company. When a tech company with a lot of money is in it, you know, somebody, yeah. you know, some oh. billionaire is going to be like, y'all want a basketball team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Ballmer went to the Clippers, though. So we'll see. That's going to happen. Anyway. Yo. Yeah. So uh, with JoJo not being here today, uh, for the indefinite future. So you guys will not be getting a glow up report. But J Key might give you some skincare tutorial if he feels like it. You know what I mean? <laughs> a little skin. You know what I mean? Put some uh, you know. Does J Key have a skin routine? Mask. Yeah, okay. man, a little right. bit, a little bit, sometimes, sometimes. Right. Like- Yo, but I will say this though, man. Recently, I think it's because every time I wear a mask, a lot of uh, grease and um heat get traps in here, and I started noticing a lot more pimples accumulating. Uh on a random right. timeline 
You know what I mean? So yeah. make sure you wash your face, brush your teeth. You know what I mean? Always brush your teeth, man. You know what I mean? I know you be a lot of y'all home right now, you know, with stinking ass breath, eating garlic, yeah. eating candy and going to sleep right away. But always brush your teeth, all right? Bong, bong. But yeah, so today we have another pocket watch. Yeah, I wish we had like a theme music for this shit. But we have another pocket watch episode. You know, today is about the Uber, Lyft versus the state of California. You know what I mean? Y'all mm. excited about this shit? Jojo. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yo, Jojo, Jojo. where you at? Um, Michael, <laughs> how you feel about this? You know? You're, I mean, I feel like it's a long... You study labor. You study labor. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. How do you feel about I feel about like we're going to be... We might be on the different... We might be on different sides on this, but... I, know, it's, I think it's... I, wanna, I just want to hear your thoughts first. You know, you worked on labor. Okay. You, you okay. Labor, you know what I mean? How do you yeah, feel yeah, about yeah. companies like Uber and Lyft making the argument that they're essentially a tech service company that's not directly controlling the workers. Uh, I think that's bullshit. You, you think um, that's bullshit? Why, why do you feel that way? Because they are. Uh, the way they uh, set up the app to encourage people to uh, continue to like pick up the next ride, or they've like set it up so like the next ride automatically like clicks in. Um, and one of the I was reading the argument that are the uh what do you call them the criteria for that the california supreme court i think laid out in terms yeah that laid out in terms of like are these people independent contractors or not um in overall labor regulations there is like a five point i think but one of them was is this is this this is this the central like business of the is this part of the central business right and riding like like these drivers are literally the business, the entire business of Lyft. Um, so I think that they very much are employees. I mean, you could make the argument, maybe if someone drives like 15 hours a week, maybe they, they're, you know, obviously like a part-time person, but if, you know, I've, I've gotten car, gotten cars at like JFK or wherever. And they, these, these people like do it for their entire, like they just do it. Right. Like it's right, their right. like, all the time so at that point i'm like well like what is where is that line right that was i was curious about like what how many hours like how do you decide who's like a part-time who's a full-time yeah 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 i feel you and all that stuff you know yeah i mean for the listeners that are tuning tuning in right now i think i need to kind of break it down to like what exactly is happening so uber Mm -hmm. and lyft uh recently got hit uh, the California Attorney General Xavier Becerra, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Um, went to, I think we got the photo in there somewhere, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, and other, you know, city attorneys from San Fran to San Diego, Los Angeles, and all these people, uh, all these attorneys were like, yo, y'all violating this new labor law uh, called mm-hmm. Assembly Bill 5 that got passed last year. To sum it up, Assembly Bill 5, aka AB5, requires gig economy workers to be reclassified as employees instead of contractors. So Mm -hmm. Uber and Lyft is arguably the biggest gig economy employers uh, in the state of California, right? So it's been about a year since this bill passed and these, uh, you know, the attorney general is like, yo, it's been a year. Why haven't you made these drivers into employees with benefits? Um, 
And obviously, as a company owner, uh, as company owners, they're just like, yo, if we do that, we're going to be spending a whole lot of money to start employing people and taking responsibility for drivers that are using our platforms. And all these people are going to be like, yo, like, what is the stand? Like, we got to start hiring people again. We got to, like, rehire people, cut people, do all this different mm-hmm. shit. So right. Uber and Lyft's argument is that, yo, we're like a technology company that's offering people to use our platform to make money. We're providing them a service, but we don't employ them because we're not telling them, like, you have to drive, B. Like, they don't say that. Like, it's just like, yo. So essentially, the yeah. way I interpret it is like, if like Spotify, right? If Spotify promote an artist's music, if Spotify promotes six ninety nine, Spotify doesn't own six ninety nine though. You know, they yeah. put our content on the platform, but they're not gonna tell us when to drop an episode. You know what I'm saying? So right. that's kind of the argument that Uber is now making, right? So right. I personally think. It's even more magnified right now at the moment because the pandemic. Um, I think mm-hmm. when when shit is good, nobody's complaining. You know, when shit is good, you know, ride share app business is solid. You know, everybody's making money. These drivers are not necessarily like yo, like whatever. It is what it is. I'm still getting my bag, right? But yeah, because ride share apps are down, like the sales are down. Many drivers don't have income, and uh, you know, since a lot of them are independent contractors. They probably don't have like unemployment benefits and um, they don't have like health insurance and shit like that. So, Mm. you know, I just feel like a lot to a lot of them, these, you know, Uber and Lyft was like their main source of income. And um, they feel like, yo, I need to get paid because this is my main source of income. But Uber and Lyft's argument is, well, we never said that this should be your main source of income, right? Right. We're we're offering a service for you to make this as an income for you, but we're not telling you that you have to do this. So yeah, it's yeah. like a real gray area, right? So I don't it's hard for me to say like, yo, you're wrong or you're right. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I, I see both sides of the argument, you know? Cause I think in cities like New York, a lot of people are doing it as a full time job. But if you go to like some of the minor cities, like I've noticed a lot of people, they just do it as like, hey, I'm on my way to the airport and on the way back, I don't want to come back empty. So Uh, let me turn my Uber app on real quick. You know what I'm saying? Like I've noticed like a lot of people do that. So it's like really just like a side income for a lot of people in other cities. Whereas like in places like New York and California where the expense of living is higher. A lot of people, they just do it as a full-time job, you know, which yeah. could be very excruciatingly difficult. You know, yeah. you're essentially I mean, just like a fucking yeah. zombie driving around all day. Yeah, no, I, just, I mean, yeah, I, I can see that. But it's, I think about kind of how Uber like entices people to drive too, which is like shady to me. And I never really liked how the gig economy is set up. Um, and it was like, right. Like after 08, like people are, a lot of people are out of jobs or like, I, I need to make money. And even now, right. Like people are jumping on Twitch. Like people are making their own cooking content. People are doing a yoga, like are now yoga instructors. Like all this stuff is like continuously popping up. And I like, or they're like delivering groceries. Um, you know, and then I was walk looking at this article and someone was saying that, you know, in their corporate, 
uh, language or speak, they they'll tell people that you can make like a medium annual income of like ninety thousand dollars doing Uber full time. But I I had this conversation with actually an Uber driver who leased a car, which I thought was not a good idea, and then basically like he actually doesn't make that much. He basically probably makes like you know, after everything is deducted, right? Like the lease, the gas, the insurance, the, the fees and everything, like you're really only taking home maybe like seven bucks an hour, maybe. Um, so it's, it's, it's one of those things, right? Um, in terms of if you're someone that is highly knowledgeable and has the skills, or I should say the skills, but has had the ability to kind of figure out like, Oh, what is this about? Like, and how the money, how's the money situation. But then, it's again, like, let me target vulnerable people that are just like, okay, I need a job right now. And I'm going to like promise this like thing of freedom, right? When they were coming out, they're like, oh, you can like work anytime you want. It was very much that whole thing without really explaining what it really looks like. And I think this is what a lot of drivers are waking up to and a lot of people are waking up to. Um, so it's like a natural consequence of that. And I don't, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's like Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, like all these people make a lot of money. Um, even though like Uber's never been a profitable company. Like, let's talk about that. Um, I mean, yeah, Uber is a big still, scam, man. You know what I mean? When it's they a fake scam. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. When they first tried to IPO, that shit was what, like, they were trying to be valued at 120 billion or some shit. Yeah. It's like, no. But I mean, I will say this, though, man. Uh, it did give freedom to some people in the beginning, or at least this perceived concept of freedom, you know? A lot of that, that rates the rates were better. The rates were better back then, actually, yes. when they first in the, came in the out. Beginning, the rates were better. It's it's also because there were less drivers. But like mm-hmm. anything in the economic sense, if there's more supply and then there's only right. certain amount of demand, the quality, the cop the cost of the supply is gonna only go down. And that's no different yeah. than the Uber and the Lyft situation, right? Because all these fuck, and so in in places like New York, like I think there's actually a cap on how many people could be on as a driver right now. Where it's been that way right. for the past year, you know, they're yeah. like, yeah, we can't have this any any more drivers. So yeah, I, you know, at the end of the day, like, is it? And also, like, did the company like go in with the concept like, yo, we're just gonna make. A whole lot of money doing this shit and just trying to raise a lot of money and you know like one of those c-level people recently got out sold a bunch of his mm-hmm. shares and then got out right? right you know so did they go in there with that concept like yo we're just here to try to like do this right. or did the ceo really think that he was going to revolutionize how this gig economy was going to work i would have to argue that for at least the person who founded the company is the latter like they genuinely believe that, yo, this shit is something that we could revolutionize, that we could change and reshape how the cab economy works, which before it is was all about a couple people medallion. with power that own the medallions get to control yeah. and wield, rubbing off right. people, you know, lobbying people in Albany, you know, like all that. You know what I'm saying? So I think it does exist, man. I mean, but but like how also all things are. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, I just thought of this. It's, you know, the whole thing about being classified as independent contractor too, it's like Uber and these Lyft people, they skate having to pay insurance for all all these people. Um, Payroll tax as well, right? Which goes into paying for unemployment. Um, All these like social services. And this reminds me of what Walmart 
I don't know if they still do this, but Walmart did do this where they like they they let you work until like you were about to hit full time and then they just cut you off, didn't like make you work. Um, so that, you know, they, and they told their people just like, oh, go get Medicaid at the, at the government office. Right. Yeah, and if I was yeah. a taxpayer, I would mm-hmm. be upset, be like, oh, like Walmart, you bring in all this revenue Lyft, you bring in all this revenue. You're still not making money actually, but, um, and then you expect the American taxpayer to like buckle up and then make sure these people have insurance and are like able to do the, like drive and to come to work and all this stuff knowing that they have it. Um, and I was thinking, interestingly, like what would happen with Uber and Lyft within an economy that has like a, uh, a universal healthcare system and like certain things in place, right? It's it, That's part of the issue too, like you're dealing right. with. So that's why it kind of goes really back to the point about, I, I believe, you know, I'm a capitalist at heart, but I'm also a socialist in the mind and the spirit because Mm-hmm. Having in order to have a universal healthcare system, you need corporate taxes to be collected to fund these programs. Now, the system is set up in a way where anybody who's a corporation, yo, if you're a corporation that is looking to make sure that you have a solid bottom line with limited overhead, it's human nature to try to cut off as much expenses expenses as possible. If everybody else is doing it too, you know, because you don't want to be the dumbest kid in the room, you know, when everybody else is not paying taxes and you want to be the only person fucking paying taxes and that tax that you're paying is not even going to the place that you want it to be going to, then yeah, you're going to feel a certain way about that. Right. So, yeah, I mean, so do I think that is it Uber's fault necessarily? Nah, I think it's really the American system as a fault. You know what I'm saying? If anything, the American system allows these type of businesses to thrive. I mean, American system is based on where businesses supposed to be more valuable than humans. If you think about it, you know, like before you even get the green card, you could set up a business in America, you know, okay. you don't have to be a resident. You don't have to even have a fucking real social. As long as you have a social security, you could set up a business in America. And to get a social security, you don't even have to be a permanent resident. That's all you need. Damn. As soon as you have a social security, you could set up a business. I think you could even set up a a credit card even before having a social security number. So America trying to scam you even before you get in the country. 1,000%. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're like, yo, you don't even have to be. uh, uh." And and the first thing that they do once you have a social security is they start collecting taxes even though you're not even a permanent resident. So you are essentially a foreigner paying taxes in America, not getting any of America's benefits. Right. You know what I mean? So, but um, yeah, man, I kind of want to go go into it a little bit more about this topic. No, there's um, some, there's some comments though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. What are some of the comments? Oh shit. I've noticed the same. Uber, DoorDash, Lyft, and all the convenience apps which require drivers to do business are literally just trying to hold market share until driverless cars become commonplace, said Tensai Shun. Yeah, I mean, listen, I definitely heard that theory that Uber was going to be at the forefront of autonomous vehicles. Uh, At this point, I don't know if that is still going to be the case because here's another hot take and a theory that I've actually heard from a friend of mine who is Uh-oh. heavily in 
the uh, uh, service industry of cabs and automobiles and deliveries and shit like that. So okay. according to my friend, I'm not going to name who, this has not been reported. It's just a speculation. But some of the higher ups at Lyft and Uber, they're anticipating that there's a possibility that they might start selling franchise opportunities. So oh, shit. essentially, yeah, so it was like the same thing as like a 7-Eleven. So a company like $6.99 per pound, right? $6.99 per pound LLC can round up a list of drivers, right? So yeah. shit, we get Tensai Shun, we get Shan Wise, we get Wong Kong, you know what I mean? We get a, a you know, Mac JK, JK, dang, you know what I mean? We get Sun Gino, we round up everybody, and then basically they're going to be our drivers, right? And then mm. we provide, we as essentially the franchisee provide yeah. a benefit and set the hours and split the cost or even have oh. vehicles for these drivers, you know what I mean? And we go, we are the ones that go to Uber and Lyft and say, yo, we'll pay a tr- franchise fee for a year to operate in this particular territory. So we'll pay for that. And we'll keep all the profits that came out, that come after that, right? So it's like you know owning a McDonald's or some shit, right? So scheming, real damn. Yeah, so that way Uber or Lyft can just be like, yo, we're just a tech provider, you know what I mean? Yeah, we're like six ninety nine. Yeah, six ninety nine is buying the franchise deal, so it's their responsibility to pay the employees and shit. You know what I'm saying? So that's why, I like, damn. I think the attorney general in California. Um, what was this gentleman's name again? Um, Xavier Becerra. He's probably mad as fuck right now. He's like, damn, yo, I thought we got this motherfuckers, but they got like 10 plans ahead that they could like get out That's of the depot. You know what I mean? They got lawyers on, hey, on, their, on their payroll. They ain't paying the drivers, but they're paying the lawyers heavy fees and maybe McKinsey uh, even more money to consult them. That's, that, mean, let's yo, talk about if you, that's, if that, that's not. I don't know if that's real. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, I don't know how much these lawyers cost, but it's definitely not going to be as much as paying all the drivers, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, to try to get something like this passed, it's probably going to take another five years, and um, people are going to continuously be like, "Yo, retrial," and it's eventually going to go up to the <laughs> Supreme Court. By the time it gets to the Supreme Court, this shit is already going to be like an outdated topic. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So Yo, I think that's going like, to happen. Shan Wise. Shan-wise. Wait, sounds sounds vaguely like the stuff my homies in high school asked me to join. Was it Verve or was it uh, Herbalife? You're talking about pyramid schemes? I don't know if it's a pyramid <laughs> scheme, but yeah. It's a franchise, franchise, franchisee relationship. It's not technically yeah, it's a pyramid. Franchisee relationship, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, hey, yo, but you know, but yo, but so Michael, you don't think Uber or Lyft are helping people at all to create you know, disposable income or, you know, like actually making life more easy for people in places like California. Like before, whenever I go to Cali, I had to borrow a car from a friend or rent a right. car. Now I could go to Cali and it'd be like, yeah, Uber everywhere, you know? Yeah, that's a hard question. Because I think as a consumer, obviously there is a lot of benefits in terms of I can get from one place to another where Maybe normally I couldn't. I'd like call a cab, right? You have to like call the cab company. You'd be like, "Come here at seven o'clock, and I'll take the cab." Um, but then the driver's side, I'm like, "Are they getting everything?" It's always it's always a conversation of value. Like, how much value does a dri- each driver bring Uber? When I can, when I think that the drivers are like the main core business of Uber, 
um, Uber will say differently, right? They're a technology company, but you know, like how much value are they bringing in, and then they are they rightfully compensated for that for that ride, depending on like, I, and like, and also another way to get around it, Uber has introduced a way for a feature in like different cities where drivers can set their own payment rates, right? So they're like, oh, now you're more of an entrepreneur, and now you're like setting your own like my rate is to JFK is sixty dollars instead of instead of forty dollars, but then what that creates, right? If there is just people just going lower and lower and the, you could see, you could give this slippery slope argument um, where it's like, then someone will put a $10. Um, but you know, no, I don't know what that, that floor is because I don't think anyone would drive to JFK for less than $30 or $40. That's just dumb. I mean, they might, they might need to have, yeah, they might need to have some sort of a cap or some sort of a control because right. So you I know, think they, there is that, and it, then there. it becomes the argument of free economy versus like you know government controlled economy and shit like that. You know what I mean? Those Uber there should be a bottom though. standard, you know, or do people I just kind of need to trade the price range within this particular? Right. You know, but I mean, standard. I think we all agree that there is a like there is minimum wage in this country, and I think because the fact that that is a thing is, I think we agree that it's necessary um, to make sure that right, like people get paid a certain amount because people like business owners will try to figure out best ways to maximize their revenue um, in different ways. And if I can pay someone lower, that could be a possibility. Um, so I think there is the balance there that needs to be uh, found, but I don't like the idea of Uber or Lyft or DoorDash being like, Oh, we're a technology company. It's like, no, you're more than a technology company. Like let's stop the corporate talk and the lawyer talk. And it's, you know, it's all just trying to make as much money as they can off people. And that's, I mean, that's how I look at it. Um, obviously people can disagree with that, but, um, you know, I'm, I always look out for the people, uh, driving and the coming from a labor background. So I have yeah. my biases, you could say. Word. I, feel, I feel you. I feel you. But uh, I right, man, I mean, you know, we could talk more about Uber versus List, uh, yeah. Lyft conversation. Uh, um, you know, maybe in the chat, if anybody else has anything to say, maybe we could get back into it. But uh, mm -hmm. let's move on to the next topic. You know, right. this imperialist baseball player who came <laughs> to America. You what? know what I mean? And you say imperialist. You what know, are you what talking? Mean? To dominate. Um, don't you know, don't you know, give. I, 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 well, 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 well. I know don't try to give him a bad name. I, what are you talking about? Get out of here! I, I know this because 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 the Korea Japan uh, World Baseball Classic. Oh, my yeah, man, just you, oh, shit. You know, oh, say. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah. nah. But I fuck with Ichiro though, man. Honestly, uh, yeah, man. Tell us a little bit about that, man. And the who the fuck is Michael section this week? <laughs> yeah. So this week I want to talk about uh, Ichiro Suzuki and why they why he's an important person in my life. And maybe maybe someone viewing, um, but let me get into it. I played baseball growing up, so from t-ball. I don't know if any of y'all played baseball. I know people say it's a boring ass sport, but I liked it. Uh, maybe because I was good at it. You know, you you like the things you're good at. Um, but it was a way when I came over to like make friends and you know get some camaraderie in my life and not be mm -hmm. isolated. I was out playing. I was running around. I was doing it. So I I mean I really enjoyed it. Bat. Yeah, that, wait. Let me see. Oh, I can't see. I didn't see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the Baseball green uniform. 
I suck at playing though. Yeah, that's me. That's that's me in high school. I was a freshman. Oh, wow. But yeah, okay. so I yeah, that's me. So I played. Um and growing up in Seattle, I was fortunate enough to have Ichiro come through. Um I mean there's been a lot of people coming in, right? But right. Ichiro stands out because he was there's a lot some pitchers that came before. Um Hideo Nomo came yeah. over. Um Kazuhiro Sasaki came over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's actually a fascinating 30 for 30 podcast on Hideo Nomo if you want to learn about Japanese baseball contracts, but that's right. another thing. Um, he was the first position player to come over. So actually like that. This is the Ichiro pose. I happen to have a Japanese green tea right here. He always <laughs> yeah, did this pose. It's classic. It's legendary. So that's what, we, that's what we're really talking about. So, you know, he came over and his first year, he became an all-star I mean, he was already established in Japan. Like the dude was always already was, prolific. He already played what, like seven years as a pro. Seven years. Whatever. His average was he was hitting like an average. What was his average? Was like three fifty for seven years, which is insane. Um, comes over. Um, people don't know what he's gonna do. Just turns out like ten straight seasons of two hundred hits. Like the dude's on fire. Like he's throwing people off. And then yeah, I remember so, when he was catching like those um. Uh, like those fucking pretty much like people thought it was a home run, but like my man's feet was so fast. Like he was already, you know, in yeah, the outfields yeah. ready to catch that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, damn, right. like this dude is next level. Yeah, no, but the, the funny thing about that was he would always climb the wall, catch it. But then when he came back, he would make sure his hat was always still on. So he was always like, yeah. fuck. Very respectful. I was like, at the beginning of the game, he would always <laughs> take his hat off, you know? Yeah. Right. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but uh, he was, no, for me though, like he was Japanese, uh, and I was, uh, you know, I'm Japanese. So seeing a Japanese person like come up to bat and have the entire stadium like chanting his name was like, damn, like we out here like really making it. People like starting to like look at Japan differently. Like sushi was more of like a thing. Like you know, like he mm -hmm. really introduced like people to like Japanese kind of culture. And then obviously NHK, which is a Japanese station, like played his games like over and over again in japan so like this whole thing started and you know other and other players started coming in droves right so after each row comes yeah. you have a lot of people coming in like There's even when i was in the new york yankees yes i was about to say matsui at the new york yankees who, be, who was like world series mvp with his like six rbis in game six i think and he's actually his, there's a famous uh uh sushi chain in new york that's oh, named really? after gogo oh. curry Wait, Gogo Curry's that's that's a curry shop, not a sushi yeah, that, chain. No, sorry, not sushi. Sorry. Um, yeah. So there's a, a Gogo, a curry, oh, I didn't, curry fast food. I didn't know, you I know, didn't know so, Gogo Curry was. You know, I, I, I mean, fifty five. You know, his number is yeah, fifty five. Yeah, yeah. It's Gogo. Yeah. Oh yeah, so like, uh, shit! Like Matsui, he's also from like uh, Kanzawa region or some shit, right? And then like uh, Gogo now curry, I'm making the connection. Like, the, the curry right. style was from that region so they kind of named it after him so yeah that's like a little uh, hot take you know what i'm saying a little okay. star snapple gem right there for your non-intelligent you know <laughs> for your I've eaten that, that, that makes that makes total sense now all the all the plates are like named after baseball yeah like thing. home run and shit uh, like their home slam. run their home yeah grand slam was like the 15 dollar joint where they got like every yeah. topic you know what i'm saying yeah so, that, yeah. that, that was I love that place. <laughs> Yo, I'll say this, man. I'll say this. Um, when in the summer of C uh, 2001, I yeah. spent the entire summer in Seattle at my cousin's spot in Sammamish. 
And um, oh, damn. I was we were like first. We were at the same there. spot. Then. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like that was when Ichiro first got to Seattle, and mm. the city was going crazy for him. And like I still mm-hmm. remember, there was a song by this group called Old Town. Oh yeah, there was an Ichiro song. I don't know if it was an Ichiro song, but it was. You know, it was, it was this song. Was uh, it's a song goes um It was called All or Nothing, and it was like, uh, is yeah. it all nothing at all? You know, I'm off key and all that shit. But <laughs> that part, is it all? Like people would sing it as Ichiro. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, and then, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, big Seattle anthem or yeah. some shit like that. And I was like, this yeah. New York kid that was like listening <laughs> to Nas, and I was like, yo, fuck this shit, yo, fuck Ichiro. <laughs> Fuck Seattle. Fuck you. Like I was like hating it. And then like my friends would like play that shit like right in my ears. Like, yeah, Old Town. And I was like, yo, fuck Old Town. This shit is whack. Yo, Shan Shan Wise, Shan Wise knows apparently. He says all or nothing is a bot. Oh oh, yeah, all or nothing is a hot record though, not gonna lie. But (laughs) yeah, man. So yeah, hold up. So did did you like get to go to see like all the Mariners games and shit when you was a kid? Uh, I went to one in 2001. I remember that. They sold out every game that year. They won 116 games. They had the best record in baseball. Like they could, they were winning every game. It was insane. Um, I remember the game I went to. That shit, like that shit, was rocking. Like, and my, I had a, my little brother came too, but he was like, he got a little scared, so they had to like take him to the back because it was so loud. Like people were screaming. But yeah, it was it was a fun time. I remember my old preschool teacher came to Seattle from Japan, and we went to a game that year. But you know, mostly every year I'd go to like two or three games, um, and kind of just you know wherever I was sitting. The older I got, I went with friends and we sat in the the bleacher section, which you could get uh, six dollar tickets, and you just hang out, like sit really anywhere in the stadium. That was when the Mariners were not that great anymore, so it was cheap. But it was I saw Felix Hernandez's perfect game. Um, if anyone knows what that is, um, so. Um, you know, it, it. I've had good memories in that stadium. Um, and when you're in little league, you I play little league. You, they have a little league day where you they like take you out around the um, field. Um, and yeah, and I was like a little kid, but I was like pretending to rob home runs like each row. I was like, yeah, I was like clearly too short to even like reach the top. But clearly. you know, that's how much of an impact. Yeah, I was like, uh, no. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> no, no, so yeah. So why didn't they um so they were killing it that year but they just got to the playoffs and then they got eliminated? Yeah, by the Yankees. Oh yep. right. The Bronx. They lost twelve to two in the last in like game six or something. Yeah, that was Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I remember that. I was at home watching that stuff. I turned that I turned that shit off. I was like, this sucks. I didn't like the Yankees. I like not a not a lot of my family like the Yankees. I was a Mets fan. I'm a okay. Mets fan. Okay. I mean, um, it was it was like a good Easy. year for the Mets. We had like uh, Mike Piazza. We had um we actually mm-hmm. had a, a Japanese player too. This guy named um Kaz Matsui. So he wasn't like he oh, Matsui. Matsui. oh yeah, 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 yeah. Kaz Matsui, yeah. Kaz Matsui, like yeah, like you know, dyed hair and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, then, that dude like, was um, fun. Yeah, like his style was really <laughs> dope. Yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah. like there was another Korean pitcher named uh Seo Jae-un that was in mm-hmm. the team at the same time. So I used to catch right. those games a lot. But um mm. yo, so growing up reading Japanese manga, I always saw like Japanese manga with like baseball themes. And I like the oh, one yeah. that kind of had like the biggest theme was um this author named uh, Mitsuru Adachi. 
Um, mm -hmm. Winston, if you go to my um, uh, folder, you you might be able to find some images of uh, H2 and some of the Japanese manga images that I put in. So I never, I, I didn't read any of those really, but yeah, a lot of the yeah. themes were always centered around Koshien. Oh, Koshien, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, do yeah, you know Koshien. about explain to the people about Koshien? What does that mean? Um, yeah, it's one of the, it's insane. Um, it's where stars are born. And every year in Japan, um, it's basically, think about, let's say, like the U.S. has baseball tournaments and everyone has a state champion, right? From like Florida or Washington or California or Texas, Oklahoma. Each, basically there'd be one team representing one, each state and they would go into a national tournament, um, single What's elimination. But it's high school kids, I yeah. That's, so, that's the thing you got to emphasize. So these kids are just, they only get one chance. You know one chance. This is and your, like, if you, pay, they're just, they're like putting everything on the line for this shit. That, like, fucking samurai spirit. Yeah, yeah. it's like, um, it's, you know, you go there and the stadium's in Osaka. It's sacred ground. You go and actually take the soil. There's a whole ceremony of taking the soil and putting it in a bag. Um, there's a, the ceremony of folding the thousand cranes, um, passing it on to different teams. There's all that. And there's a big, like, history in Japan with baseball. So, yeah, I remember, I, I would go to Japan in the summers and I'd watch the games on TV. Um, and these, mind you, these, this is dead summer. This is August. So if anyone knows Asia in August is like a hundred degrees. And it's a thing in Japanese baseball where you were, you wear long sleeves because they, as a pitcher, they believe like it keeps your arm from getting like messed up. So these kids are like in hundred degree weather wearing long sleeves, like going out there, um, and this is where stars are born, right? So if you're, if you're on a top team and you're the star pitcher, they'll pitch you for three straight games. You'll pitch like, you'll probably throw like 90, 90 pitches, one game, 120, the next game, hundred, the next game. So like guys like, um, Otani that are, that's on the angels right now, Shohei Otani or, um, Daisuke Matsuzaka, those guys like literally like were went through that and then they were, the star pitcher, they probably threw like 300 pitches that in like a week, but they won the championship. And then what happens after that is you get signed to a fat contract with uh, Japanese baseball, and then you then your career is set. But yeah. you know, there's a lot of teams, so it's it is like a very much like hard thing to get to. A lot of kids put a lot of time and energy go to spe specific baseball academies to go to. So like this is a type of place Ichiro comes from too, right? So it's like baseball is a religion, like. My friend in Japan, he played baseball. Um, he didn't make it that far, right? But then it's kind of like, it's a weird, interesting thing because it's like baseball or school and you have to choose. Um, you can rarely do both, right? So if you go the baseball route, it's like, you better be good um, because, right. you know, to get into a good university, it's like Korea, right? Where it's like, you got you to gotta go to the right university, no, the right high school, the university, yeah. then you get Samsung. Um, yeah. In Japan, it's like, you better go to, a good high school, you better go to Waseda, you better go to Tokyo University, and then you get into like a big, like you get into like Sony or like a big company. I don't know what whatever right, company, right? right? Um, so it's it's interesting in that sense. The Koshian exists, but yeah, like growing up, like baseball has been a huge thing for me. Um, yeah, having to it's crazy having to choose, but it's one of those things. It's like um, you know how like student like um, NCAA is like student athletes, but like 
the classes you take are regulated by like the, your football schedule or whatever. You only can take certain classes in the middle of the day. And then you're weightlifting in the morning, you're taking your film studying at night, like doing all those things. It's basically like that, but you're a 16 year old kid, 17 year old kid in high school. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's, it's a little wild. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and, but that was kind of like, um, you know, it ties into the whole Japanese spirit, you know, uh, of like yeah. the traditional spirit it has like that Bushido, you know, Bushido, like the samurai spirit is like, yo, you got to hone yeah. the craft, put, dedicate yeah. your life to this. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, they like, can, like, a, doing, like <laughs> the kendo stuff and just, or the, yeah, like, I think yeah. it's kendo. Yeah. Yeah. They got to like, you know, uh, have your, have your knees down, you know what I'm saying? Bow and uh-huh. all that shit. But yeah, like there's actually a documentary that I've been wanting to check out. It's called Koshien. Japan's field of dreams. Um, I haven't gotten oh. to see it, but if um, I believe it might be available on Apple soon, hopefully. But uh, I've seen a trailer for it. I might actually try to look for it on uh, Apple TV tonight. So uh, yeah, I think that's definitely oh. something worth watching. Um, there was a doc that came out like a couple of years ago about Kochian, actually, that I have, or I don't know if I have the DVD. I think it's in Seattle, but that was that like followed three teams that were trying to make it to Kochian. And like two of them didn't make it, and one of them did make it. Um, this is oh, like, hard. it's hard. Like it's a hard life. Twelve-hour practices. That's what they're <laughs> in the summertime. It's, it much. ain't it ain't no joke. You you didn't dedicate anything like that, JK. Your base your basketball uh, career. I was I was um in my junior year in um middle school. No, I, I, in middle school, I think eighth grade. I was playing basketball really like heavily. I would wake up at like 6 a.m., get to school, practice for like an hour, go to class, and after after school, like practice for two hours, but nothing like 12-hour practice days, though. Yeah. Nah, that sounds yeah. pretty intense, you know? But yeah. uh, what about yourself, man? I mean, when did you stop playing baseball? I stopped. Uh, I played up till high school. So senior year of varsity, played um and then didn't pursue it for college um ended up taking as i don't know if i mentioned here but i went to community college after that but yeah i played for how long like 10 years at least wow um all the way from i was like young t-ball right so they put the ball on a tee and you hit it you know Um, what is bro okay i don't know (laughs) i'm just i'm just dumbing it down for everyone um and then all the way till varsity so it's it's been all it's it's like a big part of who i am um, I still love playing catch. I love the idea of playing catch. Um, just going to the ballpark. I think people might say it's boring, but I think it's a great time yeah, to you know, you New York City, just hang you know, out, you drink you a beer. Like community uh, uh, baseball games with like some of the Dominican cats out here. <laughs> they all play baseball. I knew, I knew, I knew some. I, yeah, but they're they're like ex college players. They're like they're good. I can't even I can't even keep up with them. But I I do know what you're talking about. They have the whole league in the Bronx is some real, like real talent up there. They ain't playing around like New York baseball. Also like Yankee stadium is iconic, even though it's the new Yankee stadium, like going to watch a game, like drinking beer in the, in the stands, like hang out. Like it's still a good time. I, I mean, Shea or what's it, what's it called now? Not Shea stadium, but um, city, city but field. I still call it Shea stadium. Shea stadium, you know, Shea stadium ain't that bad either. And like Flushing's right there. So what I did is you go early, you get the Flushing food, eat all the, at World uh, World's Fair Mall, and then you go uh, go to Shea Stadium and then you watch a game, you know? It's a full it's a full uh, experience. So, full experience. you know, I, I would say baseball in New York is, 
is good. Like basketball in New York is really good, right? I've never been to Madison Square Garden, but it's iconic as well. I don't know how I f- how you feel, Jakey, about the the Brooklyn Nets since you probably grew up in the New Jersey Nets, but that's a whole thing as well. Yeah, I, totally. I mean, I'm a Knicks fan, so I don't give a fuck about the Nets. <laughs> okay, Knicks is not having another good year because they just got the fucking eighth pick. Uh, oh, I feel like this is the always every year, like Knicks fans crying about the pick they get in the draft. It's that the envelope. It's the frozen envelope. Emotionally being a Knicks fan, man. You know what I mean? Mm, it's uh, it's I a very can, yeah. difficult process. But uh, yeah. I mean, aside from the put, let's put the difficulty aside. Um, I think we had <laughs> really great conversations, uh, mm. you know, we've been rocking on for almost like an hour and a half. Uh, let's right. do some shout outs, you know what I mean? Let's um, get some Q&As uh, if there's any questions yeah. from the audience right now. And then, um, yeah, let's let's call it a day. Let's, do, let's do, you want to do shouts first? Sure, let's do the shouts, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the shout for me today yes. uh, is this right here. This is actually a small business today. This is C. Marty's mm. Jerk. You know what I mean? I know it sounds a little sus. People are like, ew, son, you're trying to eat another man's jerk. Um, stop being a pure they don't know. individual. They don't know. You don't they don't know. The truth. You don't understand what the truth is. You know what I mean? Um, you guys are like non-cultural, pure mindsets over here. But um, <laughs> it's essentially a hot, spicy marinade that's used mainly in Jamaican uh, cuisine to flavor meat, you know what I mean? So a jerk sauce, that's essentially what that is. So it has like allspice, ginger, uh, what else is in here, man? Shit. Uh, shit, I don't know what else is in here. <laughs> jerk sauce is jerk sauce. If you have it, okay. And garlic, vinegar, scallion, thyme, and other spices. So mm. you put some of this shit, marinate the meat, you know what I mean? Let that chill in the fridge for like an hour and then you grill it in an open fire or some people do it on the oven, whatever you want to do, you know what I mean? But yeah. my friend C. Marty Ma, he's a real individual. He's a young Jamaican-American gentleman, mm. entrepreneur. Uh, he's been pushing this jerk sauce, pause, uh, for some time. And I haven't <laughs> used a lot of different jerk sauces, pause, but I fucks with this C. Marty's Ma's jerk, pause. So you can fill Apparently the- sold out. Sure. Yeah, man, they always get sold out. And then I always like have to just like hit him up and then you know he hooks it up, you know what I'm saying? And I just go pick it, pick up the work. So job bless. You know what I mean? Let me just kind of sniff this. Oh sniff it for oh okay. Pause. Pause is on point. Smells amazing right now, man. C Marty's jerk. So you could check this out on um cmartymaw.com. Uh, hold up. Let me let me just type that shit real quick. Yeah, there you go. I mean, Winton already it's already, in there. It's already in there. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, man. See Marty's jerk, man. It's a small business started and operated by a young Jamaican American gentleman. It's still mm-hmm. kind of bootleg vibe, you know, because he's just making this sauce from his crib. It's not like he's doing this shit out of a commissary or anything. So nothing like a nutcracker. Not yeah, that it's that, but nutcracker. You know what I'm saying? But even nutcracker sounds wild, sus, but. Um, yeah, man, that's what that is, man. See Marty's jerk. Make sure you support this shit. Oh yeah. And also I got this t-shirt for my boy, uh, uh, you know, wavy from South Korea. He just made this ice cube shirt. This ice cube in the back. You know what I mean? Very literal translation. You know what I'm saying? So 
Shout out to uh, my boy Wavy. Mm. Yeah, nice. yo. But uh, Word. what you got for yeah. us, Michael? Um, I want to shout out. Uh, I've been looking at photographers or photojournalists, um, social documentarians. Um, Corky Lee is a uh, is a guy that's Her name is Corky Lee. His name is Corky Lee. Oh, like how do you spell it? C O R K Y L E E. Oh, Corky! He's, wow, interesting. Corky. He's uh, New York. He's from New York. So uh, he thinks he's from Queens, but he's um, documented, taken photos for like 30, 40 years um, of uh, Asian Americans in Chinatown, New York City, but also around the around the, the around the country. Um, and he's been been in a lot of exhibits um and he, a lot of those like old asian american protest photos you see in new york um or like police brutality photos of, against asians are shot by him he's been in the new york times and like all the big um publications right um he's about his business but yeah um his his photos are powerful i've been looking through photos like people like gordon parks but thinking about someone who's who's doing it right now for asians is still quirky lee um i met him once He's uh, quite a character, but um, apparently oh, did he's. Did he come to our um, chops function? I don't know. He he. I don't know if he was there. I'm not sure. I met him at a different spot, but it wasn't yeah. there. But he's 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 around um, Chinatown. So, um, but yeah, um, just want to shout out him for doing the work for for yeah, a long time. Shout out to all the OGs. You know, shout out to everybody that's been holding down the Asian American story for the rest of us continuously mm-hmm. pushing especially that. in photos in photos right because it photos mean show that we were like in in any media form we were here right i think that's the most important yeah, thing pictures worth a thousand words kid you know what i mean so yeah yeah that's what's up man so where can people find out his his work corky lee um type in corky lee on online youtube he's got he's like talks a little bit i don't winton's showing something on facebook he he is very active on Facebook. Yeah. Corky's not like an Instagram guy, you know. <laughs> like he's uh he's old school, so uh the Museum of China Chinese American has a ton of his stuff. Um, and then his stuff is in a lot of a lot of archives and institutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? NYU and is is in the NYU Asian American Institute? API. Yeah, he's an AIA. Yeah, AIA. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Coming through Certified. with the Asian American facts. Certified. Um, oh, he's certified. He ain't just a normal photographer on the street. He's certified. You know what I mean? Certified. Certified photographers. All right. Um, but yeah, anyway. yeah. Uh, I mean, let's see. Let's 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 um, shout questions? out people. Let's shout yeah. out people on the comments right now. Shan Wise, such a fire shirt. Appreciate it. I know. Appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, Mac Easy. The pause is on point. Of course, I always have to regulate. You know, regulate <laughs> traffic. Um. Mm-hmm. Who else is on over here? Tensai Shun. That's a lot of pressure to have as a youth. That is correct. Koshian is Talk no joke. It. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Japanese youth is no joke, man. Shit is real. Korean youth too. Yeah, definitely, man. All those Asian kids, man, they got it hard. Uh, but yeah, what else is going on? A lot, a lot, a lot of comments and observations from Tensai Shun out here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Appreciate you being active, Wong Kong. Winton was pretty good on the court. Oh shit! Who's Wong Kong? Yo, Winton, somebody, uh, somebody. That's my brother. Winton, drop your questions below if you got anything. Drop yeah. your questions 
So we, 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 it's, it's a Q and a time. I don't, I don't know if they have a lot of questions for us. I think they know us pretty well by now, Michael. Now they know. we too much. He likes, you know. Oh, um, yeah. Weird Al. Al. Weird Al Yankovic Al. CDs. You're, you're yeah. a big Ichiro fan. Next week, yes. I don't think it should even be a who the fuck is Michael. It should just be like, we know Mike. <laughs> you know? We know Mike. <laughs> do a trivia show. We're yeah. done. Oh, yeah. We should just put up some questions. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, nah, but um, no. Today's episode was fun, man. I mean, you know, we definitely yeah. missed the presence of JoJo, who is always bright, energetic, and kind of brings yeah. a, a different voice. I think there's a lot of um, bass in this podcast today. Uh, maybe yes. we spice it up next week with a little bit of a, uh, uh, you know, I don't know all the musical terminology, but uh, maybe maybe we could have another female voice in the cipher. What do you think, Michael? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's only right. You got too, yeah, too much testosterone, too much bass. You got to have a different point, different perspective, you know? Yeah, let's, let's, let's definitely mix it up next week. So we might have a pretty interesting guest or guest in the upcoming weeks, uh, you know, guest host. Um, and of course, it's going to be done in a, uh, a righteous manner. Uh, Mac so- Easy was saying, um, what was JoJo's life advice last episode? What was that intermediate intermediate um um replenishment reinforcement reinforcement no reinforcement intermittent reinforcement yes reinforcement shout out yeah. to it's when you're dating it's when you're trying to go on dates but you hit up people sporadically so yeah. you keep it out you're just like a yeah. mysterious person in the yeah don't for fall sure. for them tr- don't fall for the tricks do not fall for the tricks, man. But uh, yeah, yeah like, let's uh, let's you know. So, ladies and gentlemen, I think we might have some interesting voices joining us mm. throughout the weeks or week. Mm. So uh, let's uh, yeah, let's let's definitely keep this going. Yo, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty dope. Yo, this is dope, man. I feel like we kind of have an audience now. We have the regulars always coming in, popping in to join, have conversations mm. with us. This is really, I'm really thankful that you guys are tuning in right now. Michael, how you feel, man? What are you looking at right now? I'm looking at the comments. I'm just trying to figure out who's saying we got this audience right now in front of us. Yeah, no, I am thankful. I am thankful for people putting stuff in the chat. I appreciate it. I, you know, it's, it's, you know, we set out to do Twitch because we wanted the interaction. So, you know, it's nice to like, you know, when we ask for questions, questions or when we're talking about something, someone chimes in about something or adds something we didn't know or a, a point that we can go into. So I really appreciate, uh, all the uh engagement on the chat because that's that's God, definitely that's why incredible. we do it. and all the love you know that's incredible right here man this is love you know what i mean this is yes. this is a realness at its essence mm-hmm. but uh with that said though i know um everybody probably needs to go back to work wrap up watch tv do what they got to do so with that said yes. i like to say thank you all for tuning in to this week's show we hope y'all mm-hmm. enjoyed it um please follow to make sure that you get a notification every time we go live. Let's keep the conversation going. Uh, please follow right. us on um, IG. It's 699 per pound everywhere. That's Twitter mm-hmm. as well. Um, this is Jakey. You know, you could name my government. Jakey Cho, J-A-E-K-I-C-H-O. Michael, what's your uh, Insta? Mad Names. M-A-D-M-A-M-E-S. That's it. M-A-D-M-E-S. Um, Mad Names. Bad Names. Thanks. Shout out to Marcus for giving, for giving me that name. Uh, but yeah, uh, 
this we might not have a soda. Yeah, uh, definitely. Like, um, we don't get to see him as off, as we as often as we like. Um, he's out across the water, but you know, always a good time seeing him. Um, so shout out Marcus. Um, but this next week, or this week on Thursday, we might have a solo stream. We might not have a solo stream. We'll see. But you guys know. Um, but as always, same place, same time on Monday. Tune in. We'll be. Uh, we'll have a guest. We'll have a surprise guest in the mix, providing another perspective. Um, so uh, tune in and uh, you know continue. Like, do you think we could announce it by Friday, Michael? Well, I mean, I mean, we can't. I mean, if everything lines up, we can. Um, don't want to make any promises to people, but um, yeah, we'll we'll be working hard to make sure that's the case. Um, but yeah, um, continuously, you, you know, you can DM us whatever if you want us to go over a certain topic or if you think something's interesting let us know um happy to entertain all those ideas um because we want to hear from y'all at the end of the day so um continue to chat continue to do all those things tell your friends but appreciate the love thank you and uh see you next monday peace 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 appreciate y'all hey yo it's 699 per pound podcast